Part three of two essays on military history, strategy, and tactics, Mountain Warfare, 1909, and Naval Strategy, 1917, by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three, Mountain Warfare. Camps. It is desirable for a column escorting a large baggage train, and this is essentially the predicament of civilized troops engaged in frontier mountain warfare, to be collected in camp before nightfall, otherwise the enemy may be given unduly favorable opportunities of employing harassing methods. But it does not result that the situation of troops unable for any cause to reach camp is at all desperate strong and compact forces adopting the usual precautions can probably in many if not in most cases march in safety after nightfall but small detachments and baggage can rarely do so without undue risk these then should always park and entrench towards nightfall wherever they may find themselves when they will have little to fear for experience as has been stated tends to show that even a section securely entrenched and with ample ammunition can hold its own against heavy odds the form of camp and the nature of the protection adopted depend as usual on the topography and on the character of the enemy a common method is to place transport etc within a perimeter occupied by the fighting troops but this arrangement is by no means invariable and it may be convenient to form two or more camps or to separate transport from fighting troops the camp will as a rule be located in proximity to water that is to say in a valley and in such circumstances if it can be sighted well under one of the enclosing range of hills protection from sniping will be afforded from this direction though the overhanging heights must be securely held sometimes a small basin is available for the bivouac and in this case the troops can to a great extent be secured from this favorite tribal device of firing into camp after nightfall as is the case in all war the measures taken for the security of a camp include a system of pickets and in frontier expeditions these are placed all around camp either on the level or on any commanding heights within at any rate effective rifle range pickets may be pushed even further forward but when so situated must be numerically strong as they are liable to be rushed though more for the sake of capturing their arms than with the object of inflicting loss no picket should be of less strength than one section all should be entrenched against attack from any direction their bearing from camp should also be taken and they should be in signalling communication with the main body so that assistance may be requested and dispatched when necessary or warning given of the approach of the enemy in force bombs should be useful adjuncts to picket defense in case the enemy should succeed in forming a lodgment near the sangar though a sedentary system of pickets may discover the presence of a large hostile body near camp and may in some degree check sniping the latter evil cannot by this means be completely prevented tribesmen especially since they are aware that the british rarely risk troops other than pickets outside the perimeter will often creep in and snipe from the area between the pickets and camp 
there seems however no valid reason why sniping should be passively tolerated when it can probably be effectively combated by placing in certain localities between the camp and pickets small patrols of picked men provided with grass shoes whose duty will be to stalk and bayonet venturesome marauders against this proposal it has been argued that the british and especially the european soldiers are unfit to cope by night with tribesmen inured from childhood to move silently in darkness over rough ground the contention is considered to be inadmissible for though there is and must be risk in stalking snipers picked british soldiers are surely now as formerly more than a match for pathans in all circumstances when the numbers are fairly even the form of entrenchment if any excavated round the bivouac is conditioned by the character of the enemy if he is prone to adopt shock tactics and to attempt to rush the camp under cover of darkness a ditch to check his charge backed by a parapet with head cover will be the most favourable form of defence but if he is partial merely to harassing methods such as firing into camp the perimeter defences should be calculated to mitigate their effects by providing for all troops trenches well traversed and with parapets both to front and rear if both forms of attack are possible parapets with trench and ditch should be made the trench or ditch being first dug according as a charge or sniping is most to be feared naturally units protected by high ground on one or more flanks need only make cover so as to secure themselves from the directions from which fire can be delivered only infantry should hold the perimeter of a camp machine guns being placed at the angles and defences of each confided to one unit divided responsibility not being permissible supports may if necessary be located in entrenchments behind the perimeter and a homogeneous body of about half a battalion allotted as reserve and given a bivouac near that of the column commander in case of attack the duty of cavalry soldiers is to stand to their horses of artillery to man their guns to neither therefore in normal circumstances should a portion of the perimeter be confided and both should be placed within its circumference at the same time guns should be disposed in pits or epaulments that they may sweep ground across which attack is most likely to be made or they may be laid so as to search localities where tribesmen may collect prior to delivering an assault protection of line of communication the protection of a line of communication is secured by combination of passive and active measures though the latter are of the greatest importance passive measures include the provision of fortified staging posts linked up by a series of road pickets and supplemented by escorts to convoys the active defence is by means of flying columns roughly speaking it may be said that about one hundred men per mile suffice for all protective purposes and it is assumed that the responsibility of a staging post commandant extends halfway to the posts on either side of his own the garrison of a staging post must be of sufficient strength and of suitable composition to secure the convoys halting there for the night to furnish them with police escorts for the next day's march 
and if road pickets are found from the post to supply these also road pickets can either be sent out each day from staging posts can be permanently located in a succession of blockhouses or can be semi-permanent that is to say can be supplied from a series of minor posts connecting staging centers in each of the above cases the same number of men will be required the first method by concentrating the troops each evening makes for their general security but since pickets must daily and at fixed hours move to and from their places a good deal of fatigue will be imposed on the men and there will in addition be some risk of minor disasters to individual pickets which may be ambuscaded moreover since the convoys cannot march until the pickets are in position and as pickets cannot be risked outside the post before sunrise and after sunset the hours available for the movements of the convoys will be a good deal curtailed under the second alternative a weak cordon is formed portions of which cannot owing to the topography easily render one another support in case any picket is attacked in force on the other hand no time will be wasted in posting and withdrawing pickets the third system is a compromise between the two already mentioned and seems on the whole to be the most advantageous if three or four relatively large posts are placed in dangerous localities such as valley junctions between staging centers there will be little or no risk of their capture by the enemy since the pickets necessary to watch by day the area between the posts will have but short distances to traverse to reach their positions the time available for movement of convoys will not be curtailed and as the ground intervening between two posts will in some degree be overlooked from them there will be less chance than under the first method of pickets falling into ambuscades the efficiency of the protection of a line of communication depends however on the active not on the passive measures for its security active defence is maintained by flying columns of strength and organization suitable to the character of the enemy and the nature of the country to these columns is confided the protection of certain areas an end attained not by inactivity for the troops should be continually on the move so that the enemy can never be certain when and where to expect them but by a vigorous and energetic offensive in whatever directions an efficient service of intelligence reports hostile gatherings the enemy's movements and projects must in fact be anticipated rather than countered when in course of execution defense of a post when considering what steps are to be taken for the defense of a post large or small the maxim that the offensive is the best defense must be ever prominently before the mind it follows that the first step after a site has been selected the water supply secured and the usual measurements for security taken should be to set apart as many men as possible for offensive purposes including reconnaissance in other words the strength of the reserve should be calculated from these premises having due regard to the number of knights in bed required by the whole garrison and the reserve should not be such men as may be left over after the requirements of passive defence have been fully satisfied 
the next item should be the selection of a keep or citadel where stores and ammunition can be placed and where hospital headquarters and a central signaling and communicating station can be located in this keep may be placed machine or other guns if available so arranged that they can sweep approaches to the post and also if possible protect with fire the flanks of picket stations it will now be time to allocate generally the troops destined for guard and picket duty these arrangements may be primarily made from the interior of the post its safety being the first consideration though for reasons of sanitation the more space that can be given to troops and convoys the better pickets having been roughly allotted the plan of defence should be regarded from the enemy's point of view and the necessary changes made and finally the bearings of the picket position should be taken from the keep and routes to them cleared in case they should require reinforcement by night it should only be necessary to keep pickets at their full strength in night time by day the bulk of the men should fall back into the interior of the post an arrangement which would at once facilitate water and food supply and would also be advantageous from a sanitary point of view the next duties will be to deal with the general sanitation of the post and especially of the rest and convoy camps to mark out the latter and to secure their policing as time goes on the post commandant can arrange for improved communication between the keep and pickets as well as throughout the interior of the enceinte signposts being erected and the water supply enclosed End of part three.